Welcome to another episode of Where in the Folk. I have the beautiful Cecil with me. I am Reed, and we have two special guests that were with us on our last episode. Uh, We've got Hadley and Christy. Welcome back, ladies. Thanks for having us, guys. Uh, Last week, we were talking about Mr. Pee Wee Gaskins. And guess what we're talking about this week? The same damn person. But Uh, now we're we're past the... uh, beginning of the craziness and getting into the as you said the meat um anyway when we left off peewee had just become king of the block after committing what is believed to be his first confirmed murder he killed a hazel brazil to become the most powerful man in his prison power man power man and so today we're picking up in june of 1955 as we found out Pee-wee, we went over it briefly. He married a woman named Mary. And while Pee-wee's in prison, she got tired of being married to this guy. Um, and she got tired of all his nonsense, so she filed for divorce. Uh, Pee-wee decided that he was going to try to save his marriage, walked right out of the prison. By which I mean he hid in garbage barrels and was taken out in a garbage truck. But <laughs> He was a master of escape, but couldn't stay away. Now, from all counts that I could find... The attempt to save the marriage didn't go over so well. Yeah, he had he had some bad luck, man. Now, once seeing that uh, marriage wasn't going to work out, Pee Wee stole his cousin David Gaskin's 1950 Pontiac. Then went to visit an old carnival friend by the name of Poss as well, from what I found. Now, this is nothing. Did you find this too, that his friend that he went to visit was named Poss also? I thought it was the same dude. I think it's the same person. It was the dude his, that was His old him. friend that was... Giving him the yeah the old yeah giving yeah. the twos <laughs> but but this was some, apparently a carnival friend by the name of Poss as well. Is it possible that there were two Posses? I don't think you can get two Posses. It's but unusual, Poss- but maybe it's a regional thing, like a it family might, name. Good point. Good point. It, it might have been like a like a name that went around back in the day or something. Who knows? Anyway, he lived in Lake Wells, and from there he went, on, he went back on the road with Paul and Carnival. And this is where he, he met uh, Junie Alice Holden, who was 19, and Junie, Junie married P-Dub as well, even though she, even though he was still married to Mary. So right there oh, is, yeah. so he was with he was with Junie for about two weeks, and he drove her ass back to Lake Wells so they could get back up with the Carnival on Vadosta. At this point, he had two wives. So after he rejoined the carnival, he met a girl by the name of Zena from Zanzibar. Billy Jean Gates was her name. P Dub and Betty were slapping skins for a hot minute. Uh, <laughs> <slapping skins laughs> and after a while, Betty convinced P Dub to help her free her brother from the prison in Tennessee. Pee Wee took Betty to Tennessee to see her brother and found out that she was one in five states when he went up there and she was wanted for felony charges. Uh, while they were in Tennessee, Betty straight up stole the car and left Pee-wee's ass stranded in Tennessee. The night before Pee-wee had taken a carton of cigarettes to Betty's brother, and the cigarettes had a razor, which he used to escape from jail. And when the cops came out, that's when he found out that it wasn't her brother, it was her husband. That's, oh my God. Could you imagine the rage that this little fucker had? <laughs> when he found out I would imagine he was hot. Even even knowing his his personality, that would have made anybody hot. <laughs> oh my Damn God. it. That's Damn horrible. it, Bobby. 
I'm having a visual image of what was it, Papa, when he would turn red. Yes. <laughs> Hopping up and down. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but he lied and told him that his name was David Gaskins, and um, he thought he was going to be released, but they they knew it was Pee Wee. Somehow, and he was, was that kind of not stupid to use your same last name as your name? <laughs> well, it was his cousin, it was his cousin David. So, while locked up, his reputation as a paraman was in jeopardy. So, he stole a knife from the kitchen and sliced a prisoner's ear off. After that incident, he gained he regained his re- reputation, and inmates realized he was not a motherfucker to be messed with. <laughs> <laughs> the incident gave him three more months in jail. He did this time in Cooksville, Tennessee. And then he was sent back to the state pen in Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, placed in one man cell in the maximum security prison. So. And then. And then. This right here, I don't really want to go over this too much because he was charged by the FBI for interstate auto theft at some point in Lake City and crossed over into Tennessee state line. And uh, there he's uh, transferred to Richland County Jail in Columbia. He was tried in federal court and got three years federal prison in Atlanta. And while in federal prison, he became friends with Mr. Frank Castillo, godfather of the Genovese crime family in New York. And uh, Pee Wee was given the nickname of Little Hatchet Man. Forget about it. Now, I looked desperately to see if anything happened with the mob after this, was you guys able to find anything about it? I did I, not see that. I did not. I only just saw that he befriended the guy. I did see something about the mob um, with cars and stuff with one of the body. And they were showing where he had said that he had a cemetery. But he had been showing someone and said, we put a big block engine up here. And that was like where they would take the cars that they stole for the mob. Oh, yeah, so, they were they were processing hot cars and chopping them. Yep. Right. So he's doing this for the mob. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's at least what I heard on one show. But it was his, um, his daughter mentioned something about she mentioned she showed a tree. Yeah, something that's and it. said this that is where it. they would this is where they would. Yeah, you know. they would lift the engines out and. Mm-hmm. After he got released from this prison, he moved in with his cousin because of issues with his stepdaddy. His uh, cousin Marvin Parrot at the time. I wonder if he's rem- he's related to that parrot we used to work with. Could be. Could be. He rented a tra- trailer owned by his uncle Dewey Parrot. Uh, he couldn't find any work, so he went back to being a mechanic, re- repainting cars, and apparently stealing shit like he always did. Uh, apparently, he was assistant with the travel ministry for a Dr. Reverend George Todd for a while. That one threw me off when I read that. I was like, what? Well, you know, this goes back to Ed Edwards. Um, because, you know, Ed Edwards traveled, was a traveling minister, too. Like, he traveled with ministries. Yeah. he's not. The, they're not the only serial killers that did that. That's weird. And all the time, they were breaking in. They were stealing shit the whole time. Like, I guess they maybe thought that was going to be easy pickings. <gasps> What if Pee Wee Gaskins was Ed Edwards, man? <laughs> but anyway, um, Pee Wee married for a third time, and I'm assuming that he was still married to the other two, when he married a Jerry Dolores. He left the traveling ministry and went back to Robin stealing goods. So this one right here, um, there was a 12-year-old girl named Patsy that lived near his mother, 
In early September on Saturday, on a Saturday, he molested her. Pee Wee was taken to Florence County Jail and she was taken home. He was charged with statutory rape and uh, everything like that. While at the Florence County uh, Courthouse, the deputy had removed the handcuffs while he waited for his attorney and prosecutor. Uh, Pee Wee pulled a Ted Bundy and jumped 30 feet out of a window. And then he stole a car with the keys in the ignition. He went to his mother's house to get money and headed for Prospect. He ditched the car in the water off the highway and made it on foot to the town of Dillon. Once in Dillon, he installed a 1962 Ford Galaxy. Now, those are nice fucking cars, man. Those are sweet. Those are sweet. I knew a dude that had one. He wouldn't let me drive it. The following day, he crossed state line into North Carolina and the Lumbee Indian Reservation in Pembroke. And he got caught again. He got caught again. Uh, so, after he got caught, he went back to jail. He got out of jail, and he married his fourth wife, a 17-year-old Lumbee girl named Lenny Ox- Oxenden. So, it's it's safe to say that back then, we didn't have the three strikes and you're out rule. No. no. For, so, the three strikes, don't get me started on that three strikes and you're out bullshit. The crime bill that was introduced in 1994. Sorry. That was... <laughs> I hate that damn law. What about you guys? Well, it was implemented to break up the family unit for, like, African-Americans is what it was for because it was during the crack epidemic that was CIE fucking funded. And if you got caught with a rock or crack that big, you go to prison the rest of your life. crack a rock. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, sorry I brought that up. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Don't get me started on that shit. But anyway, stayed in a boarding house. Uh, then he went to Charlotte, caught a bus back to Raleigh. Bought a 1949 Ford. I don't know why. I don't know why I always want to include the car, and make a model. I just, I just like doing that. And, okay, I got a question. Yeah. Why does okay? Who who is marrying this man? Young. He's been married four times. He's what, like 28? <laughs> Yeah, he's they are all very young. I know young that. and naive women, and he was apparently a very good talker. Like uh, I don't know, he was he he apparently had a little charisma about him. Until um, he, he lost his shit and hit you with the hammer. Yeah, he wasn't an ugly fellow either. Like I mean, he was a decent looking man, I guess. Um, I don't know. I just I guess they were young, naive, basically. But you would think somebody's mama would have stopped him. He had a reputation for being really mean. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. You got to remember the time period that this was. But this I mean, was four, four women. Yeah, but times were hard back then, and family couldn't really feed all of their kids. They were trying to get them married off as fast as possible. Okay, you got a, you got a point with that. And another thing, too, like, it, the information didn't travel quite like it does now, either. Like, you could go from there were literally people that had a wife and a few kids in this county and 20 miles away in another county they had them some more kids and another wife like it happened quite often true so i mean like like that's how ted even up until the 80s that's how ted bunny eluded capture so much he just went from up there to down here yep and yeah and travel, you know. Well, didn't Bundy escape from Colorado and go to Florida? Yeah, yeah. Like he yeah. was on trial in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
And, you know, mostly serial killers end up in Florida. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> There's a few of them down there. Uh, so after he's married, after three months of being married to this girl, he decided that he was going to go to a store one day. He just left and never came back. <laughs> so go pick up some cigarettes, honey. I'll be right yeah. back. Not. Yeah, uh, that was a April Fool's joke. I was going to pull on my wife. I was going to be like, I want to run to the store real quick. I was going to stay gone for like a week. <laughs> that's, that's not an April Fool's. That's an April Week's joke. <laughs> It'd be funny though. Come back, and be like, there's only been a couple hours. Though. <laughs> and then we all get to notice that you've been murdered. <laughs> <laughs> she used to shoot skate when she was a kid. I couldn't even zigzag. <laughs> 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 she get me for sure <laughs> so much for ducking and diving yeah all right so after he left uh this person uh he contacted wife jerry who was upset about what happened to a little girl uh patsy now he sweet talked her and they agreed to go to lake wales florida to look for his old pal Poss to get a new get to get another job in the carnival now this might have been a breaking point for him because this is the only time I've ever heard of him having any kind of sadness. When he got down there, he found out that Paz had killed himself when his wife and his four kids died in a trailer fire. And apparently he was horribly upset by this news. Yeah. <laughs> so this is making me think that this was the fucking kid from the reform school. Yeah. He had a emotional and obviously physical attachment to this guy. Mm-hmm. If anybody knows this, please comment because I really want to know if they're the same person. <laughs> like, it has to be, right? I think so. I think if we dove deep enough into the internet, we could find some FBI files on him. But anyway, uh, Jerry informed them that she didn't want to be with him anymore, not being with a man on her own. So now thinking about go- now he's thinking about going back to his wife in Pembroke. Where he was safe and everything. So while driving across the state lines into Georgia, he heard sirens and tried to escape the police. But the left front tire blew out and the car went into the water. Now, Pee Wee escaped, but he left Jerry behind for the cops to deal with. <laughs> so that's a that's a, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I can run faster than you. Bye. <laughs> It, you remember that episode of Walking Dead whenever uh, Shane and them go to get that stuff to save Carl after he got shot and he shot that guy in the leg? Yep. Would you have done that? Shane was my favorite character. Shane was so my yeah, favorite character. Probably, yeah, I would How would you guys feel about Shane? I was not a fan of Shane. You didn't like Shane? I have found I Shane. that the ladies do not like Shane's character. I love Shane. <laughs> I didn't did. like Lori either. I hate it, Lori. Uh, Shane did what it took to survive. <laughs> and see, that was my whole thing that I tried to explain to my wife. Is like Shane makes stuff happen. Yeah. He does what it takes, but he's also crazy. <laughs> so um, after this, he he went to some train tracks. Got he uh, hopped the train and he uh, eventually ended up arriving in Savannah, Georgia. After he got there, he went back to his wife Lenny, who was not happy to see him. The, telev- the television newspaper and everything had pictures saying that he was uh, was killed and had drowned in the marsh near Savannah, and his wife, Jerry, was released with no charges. The next morning, Lenny contacted the deputies who woke Pee Wee up and handcuffed him, and two days later, he's extradited back to jail in Florence. 
There he got six years for statutory rape and an additional two years for escape. So he, he went through about being in prisons and shit like that. So there was one warden by the name of William Willis McDougall. McDougall? McDougall? Who believed in rehabilitation and not, not punishing crimes. And he wrote a letter of recommendation and to the parole board and they released Pee Wee. See, this is one of those things that happens a lot with anybody that's like this. There's several chances for it all to stop. And it just doesn't. People people help him get out. Oh, he was a revolving door on being in and out of prison and yeah. all that stuff. That That's what blew my mind about all this is if they ever would have just kept him in prison. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they don't like it. There's something like I understand the three strike laws, but I don't like why they were implemented. But if it's something like this, yeah, keep them fuckers in prison, you know, or you know, execute them. Um, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I feel passionate about that. I feel like this is someone that. I mean, how old is he at this point? He's had a history that he shows he's not going to get better. And the thing is, like. If you get arrested and it's known you molested a child, why not kill them? Send them to an island. Send them to Antarctica. Well, it it is a vicious cycle when you have children molesting children in these schools or juvie. You know, it's a vicious cycle. And but there comes a point where you have to realize that. This person is broken, and we can't fix what's wrong with him. After he was paroled in November, after doing four years, they put a condition that he wasn't allowed in Florence for two years. So there's like, we'll let him, we'll let him go, but he ain't allowed here. Like, that'd be- <laughs> yeah, it's like he's he's a criminal. What's going to stop him? Uh, the thing about it though is, like, we know you're a vicious criminal. We're just going to let you go. Just don't come back here. You know, go do it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Be somebody else's what problem. What the fuck? It's insane. Um, but however, you know, he he would come back every now and again, family unions and shit like that. And that's that blew my mind too. Is he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would be a family reunion fella. Yeah. While doing a robbery with two teenage boys, the boys turned a knife on Pee Wee and took all of his money. And after being robbed, Pee-wee waited for the young boys at their home with a 32 Beretta automatic. That's a nice guy. At gunpoint, he ordered them into the trunk of the car and took the boys to the swamp. He made them give over the money and the jewelry and instructed them to take their clothes off. And then he let them live, but if he ever crossed them again, they were dead. So he didn't kill them either. So even though he wasn't allowed in Florence, like I said, he'd go to family unions and shit. Uh, his wife, Mary, and his daughter, who was now 17, married and had two kids of her own, lived there as well, so he'd go visit them. In the summer of 1968, there was something that started bothering Pee-wee. He described it as a bothersome pain. He physically got a pain that began in his testicles, went up through his spine, through his stomach, and into his head pain would settle right behind his eyes causing them to have migraines and then that's when he said the voice would come and when the both the voice and the pain came he would have to leave because he did not want to cause any harm to mary so this was making him want to hurt people and and then you know he didn't want to hurt mary or any other family member so this is where the official civilian killings begin okay so 
my wife was watching some of this with me and her theory on this is that, you know, it's a possibility that he was possessed, possessed because, you know, they, the, I guess the theory behind that is that possession happens to, um, people who have weakened, I guess, minds or whatever. And he definitely had plenty of stuff happen in his life that would have weakened his mental stability and that he could have possibly, this could have been the start of a possession. Now we've talked about this before and I honestly believe that. And you know, I know you guys are, I know Hadley, you're into the paranormal and everything. And Chris, I don't know if you are or not. Um, I'm assuming you are since you're friends with her. (laughs) What do you think about that proposition that maybe like possession has a lot to do with serial killers. I'm not sure. I think that demon possession is not something. I don't think it just happens to just anybody. And I think in his case, we're seeing someone who he had so much other stuff. Yeah. How old was he at this point? At this point, how old would he have been? It's around 1968. He was. So he's born in 33. About 36. Five, yeah, 36. 36. So this is technically the starting of his true killing career. So late onset schizophrenia? I mean, I'm not totally against possession, but I think that some people just are more susceptible. Are just bad, you know? And, yeah. and whether it's a mental illness or whatever, something goes cattywampus. My whole thing is the pain. Where did the pain come from? Like, is that... that, I think that might be his conscience. It might be how he's... Because at this point, he's got kids. His kids are having kids. You know, he's spending time with his family. And for all accounts, if you watch that daughter talk, you know, he had friends. He had people who were... He had relationships with. Yeah, it became painful, literally, for him not to do something to them. I think it's just a manifestation. Yeah, I mean, it's psychosomatic, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was what I was getting ready to say, that it's uh, mental instability and and anguish and uh, mental disease can manifest itself in physical pain as well. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, and you look at, you know, we go back to his developmental years is when he was having all those um, seizures or fits from that kerosene. I mean, there is something going on with his neurological system at an early age. So he could have had some kind of problem that was undiagnosed. I agree. So possessions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just saying, that's what my wife theorized. So I'm more. No, go. and I, I think that I think that demon possession is something that happens. I think it happens to Catholics. I don't think he was playing out. I'm thinking. I, I don't know. It just tends to be Catholics. No. Um. I just think that it, I think that's such a rare thing that um, in someone like Pee Wee, it would be hard to determine that. Because he had so much other evil, you know, going on in his behavior. Right. It makes you wonder, kind of makes you wonder if he ever, ever had stepped a foot in a church house of any kind. 
But yeah, I mean, whenever I read about the pain, I was like, that's strange to me. Like, like a pain that makes you have to kill. Like, I don't know uh, the conscience thing. That that kind of sounds right because if maybe that's when he developed a conscience and like he didn't know how to handle it or something. Yeah, he didn't know what that was. <laughs> that oh, you don't need to do that. I mean, when you think of an addict, it, I mean, it pains them not to do what they're addicted to. And if he was raised to hurt people or raised to be hurt, and that's what comes naturally, it would pain him not to. And so he was in in the juvenile facility, so it was being done to him. And then when he was, you know, then incarcerated and he became the boss and obviously he was doing it to other people and then there's a period where he's not doing anything then obviously there's going to become a point where he feels the need to continue that behavior and it's it, it is going to physically pain him not to that's the way i took it as uh garland green said in con air happiness causes him to hurt <laughs> talking about steve buscemi that's there? right garland yeah. green the maryland mangler <laughs> yeah i mean i i can see all that really it's just strange to me that was a pain i've never really heard of any other serial killer having that kind of pain to do it peewee started riding along the coastal highway from a st- the stretch that wretched from uh wretched you said wretched yeah, i heard it that wretched that's my that's my Clay County. <laughs> but it reached from uh, Myrtle Beach to Savannah on the lookout for girls hitchhiking. Now this one is where he said that he would fantasize about torture torturing these females that said no to him the most because those are the ones that excited him the most. The only thing that kept him from doing it for a while was the possibility of going back to prison. And like I said, up until this moment, Pee-wee was no model citizen. You know, he's done all kinds of crazy shit. He's killed before, but he killed in prison. Um, This all changed in September of 1969. It's speculated by (laughs) Pee-wee. By Pee-wee. By Pee-wee. Now, he picked up a blonde girl in uh, Polly's Island by the name of Angie. He, um... He raped her. He uh, bit off her nipple. He forced her to perform oral sex on him. And he stomped on her pel- her pubic bone and slid an eight-inch eight dagger into her rectum. Then pulled it up until it sliced into her vagina. He, uh, changed, he, he changed her and took her to the water and let her sink. Um, so that's... That's pretty much the type of terror that's going to start going on from here on. That is so gruesome. That's horrible. Yeah, uh, that's the word, gruesome. Yeah. And I just don't understand that. Like, that's overkill, really. Like, wow. <laughs> you know? Uh, I guess it was the torture thing. I don't know. Because he could. I mean, that was what I took from it was he is this the one that he said that he could do anything he wanted to her. He could do anything. He was just so caught up in that he could just do anything to her. Yeah, that's a that's several of them apparently. Um, because six weeks after this first murder, um, this guy was fucking nuts. By the way, 
Um, this is one that I talk about serial killers a lot. And whenever I run into stuff like this, I start getting like cringy. I start feeling like, uh, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's nuts. But anyway, six weeks after his first mur- murder, uh, his head started to hurt again, and the voice he he heard the voice again, so he knew it was a signal to kill. In October, he met a Daisy from Jacksonville, who had been working in Myrtle Beach. He did the same thing as the Daisy they did to Angie: torture, rape, bound her, uh, put heavy chains on her, and drowned her in the swamp. By Christmas of 1969, he had claimed that he had killed at least three victims in what he deemed as the coastal kills. And uh, apparently, during the coastal kills, he killed both male and female, so he wasn't discriminatory, you know. He killed whoever. Anybody he could get his hands on. Anybody that gave him the tingle, I guess. Uh, he tortured, mutilated them while attempting to keep keep them alive as long as possible. So that's probably part of it, I guess. What, like, he tried to keep them alive as long as possible so he could torture them more. So it was more about the torture to him than the actual kill, I guess. Yeah, this is this is uh, before this it was just rage and killing, and but now he's gotten deeper into it with the, I guess, obsession with torturing as well. Yeah. Now none of these coastal killings that I found were confirmed, really. Uh, he later said that he probably killed 80 or 90 people in this fashion, in the and he'd suffocate them, mutilate. He even cannibalized some just for a little taste to see what it tastes like. I heard it tastes like bacon. <laughs> God. If anybody's wanting to know that. I'm, That's sick. <laughs> you know, I've got friends that kind of want to know what human flesh tastes like, but, you know, they're not sadistic enough to do it. Here's my thing. Whenever I die, feel free. <laughs> I'll pass on that, bro. I want my ribs smoked. <laughs> you, want, you want the baby rays? I want the baby rays on the ribs. That's what I mean. No, uh, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna give you a, a hard no on that one. Don't you get something from eating people? Oh yeah, eventually drive you insane. Uh, no. I, don't know it is. I thought this you eat the brain tissue. Uh, well, you get some kind of like, like rickets or something. I mean, some kind of. Yeah, there, there's something like they get the shakes or something. Yes. Human meat again. I know this from horror movies, so it, I don't know how valid it is. Right, that's what I'm going off of too. But there's not a whole lot of evidence that's a bit that I could find that supported the coastal kills, honestly. So, I'm gonna say they did them um, because. We was going to cover um, another person that was arrested. What was it, Samuel Little? Yeah. He, he when he was originally arrested, he had 13 kills. But before he died, they had confirmed 80 something. Well, and another theory that I think somebody on one of the documentaries said is that, yeah, he probably killed a lot of people. But after he got caught and started confessing to stuff that. Maybe he was doing it to, he had that little man syndrome and was uh, inflating and boasting his actual true kill count. Okay, but I'm going to, I'm going to have to disagree because you remember how like everyone kind of like, oh, well, he said he had this other cemetery over here and, you know, they just weren't taking him serious because they were thinking like y'all are, but then he sure had a bunch of bones in that cemetery. That's, no, that's a valid point. Yeah, you're, I see where you're coming from. 
Yeah, I understand that. So he, he could have been crazy like a fox telling people all his business and people just thought he was full of shit. <laughs> That's probably what fucking happened. Yeah, you know, it, it may have been that people wanted to think he was full of shit and didn't want to grip the reality of, yeah, he probably did kill so many hundreds of people. Let's not even talk about the fact that it's reported that he drove a hearse for a long time. Did that he was really? like his personal car. <laughs> yeah. Hearse. I didn't even yeah. know that. <laughs> and his tag was like, I can't remember. I wrote it down, but I can't find uh-huh. the notes yeah. now. It would be tremendously horrible if his license plate read i kill people <laughs> no it was like it was I something body i haul bodies or i mean I, it was something like that but yes he he drove a hearse people just thought he was full of shit but nope he was hauling the bodies 1960 hearse would have been dope as shit though 1960 <laughs> I, I can't remember what year it was but it it was documented yeah that he did drive a hearse and he had a um he had a uh, a vanity plate. I, I I didn't write down. I can't find my note what it was, but it was like I haul or something like that. I can't remember what it was. And and maybe we're getting to this, and I'm just jumping ahead. But his daughter talked about her him asking her to cook food for different people, and and how many last meals did she serve? Uh, yeah, I remember her saying that, but it was quite a few. In the back of the hearse, there was a sign that read, I haul dead bodies. Well. <laughs> Nobody knew how true the sign was until he found he was found guilty of eight murders and confessed to over 100. He would reply he was carrying bodies, but people would laugh it off. Yeah, and he would tell people, I think as well, that he had his own personal cemetery. Uh-huh. And they- they laughed it off, but he did. And he, he like he called his daughter half pint, and when he talked about the the baby and all, he he told her about it and just said he had to get it off his chest. And then she's sitting there on the banks of where she spread his ashes with mud in her hand, saying where this is where we spread his ashes. I don't know. It was the whole thing just as she's saying kind of. Which I guess if you found out your dad did all that, you probably wouldn't be right. I'm just wondering, did he did he abuse her? What I, I really couldn't find any. It was so weird, you know. All of the information that I've seen on like Ted Bundy or other serial killers, it all kind of goes very very linear, and his just didn't. And it was so weird um, that. And actually looked at one study that did, it was it was really neat. It did a grid of what the newspapers reported, what he reported, and then I can't remember what the third column was, but anyway, some some other reports. And it and it did a, a like a walk a one to one walkthrough of what was reported, and the information was so varied it was really hard to follow and so what was true and what was fiction and was was what is out there is mainstream is is it maybe just a blend of both it's weird this is probably a blend of both honestly i didn't hear anything of him mistreating any of his kids and i at first i was like well maybe he didn't mistreat family you know because it's too close to home but <laughs> one of his first kills 
Uh, his niece Janice and her friend Patty apparently got fucked up or something, so he took them to his house to sober up, as well as clean them up and everything like that, because his niece has vomited on herself after drinking some black coffee. While, oh. while they were there, he showed uh, Patty his penis, <laughs> and she tried running away and everything. What was it where he would say that it was a bad one? If he killed somebody in the family, that was a bad one? Oh, no, that was a more serious one, and the coastal yeah. ones were just the fun ones, but the, the ones that were close to home were the more serious ones. Yeah, yeah. He, he differentiated between the categories. two. Yeah, it was weird. That is yeah, weird. He, he had, like, category kills. That's, he was a different one. I'm telling you, I, I really don't know whether to feel sorry for him or just um, or just to think that he just needed to be killed. Because he did have a very traumatic first well, I mean, couple of years. I think you could have both. I mean, I I know that people think that the kerosene had a huge impact, and it probably did. But I think that just the way that he was, I mean, some of the things that, that I read about his mom, I mean, one thing was, quote, she was a good woman. but mm, But the other things... The way that he's raised is just um, he didn't stand a chance to be a good person. He he was either going to be a good person or he was going to be a horrible person. And I think that once you delineate into that horrible person and you take that route, there's no coming back from that. And then and, you know. OK, so there's there's the victim and the victimizer and they're often the, the same person. And you, so what's, what's the difference in putting that person out of their misery, whether it's to save other people or it's to save themselves, to save themselves the hurt. Because obviously he was in, you know, physical mental pain and he was causing physical mental pain to other people. So Hadley, yes, he needed to be. I think you can uh, feel sorry for the circumstances, but not feel sorry for his actions. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think somebody should have, uh, should have, uh, of mice amend him and, uh, yeah. This a lot Tell me about the wabbits. <laughs> well, so the other thing I thought was very interesting is the homosexual overtones were really not dealt. No one really talked about those, um, during that time period, but it is all through his history and people, you know, it's just out there. And he talked about it, which I found very interesting. But I mean, it's been like that through the history of man is the way to that men have dominated other men is is through homosexuality. And yeah, even but you in know, you, war, that's you what you did, was you dominated. But you just don't hear about men in the 40s, 50s, and 60s really talking openly about being gang raped. I don't know. hear about it, but it happens. Well, no, uh, yeah, I'm sure it does, but I'm saying he didn't seem to have a problem. I think it might be Louis C.K. joke whenever he's talking about the old man, talking about how they used to just go out in the woods and grip onto a tree and go at it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you did. That's how you dominated. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 
I understand all that. Like, it makes sense. Like, I don't know. He's a different breed of serial killer by every means I've read about him. While they were sobering up, uh, he showed his penis to Patty, who then tried to run away. She didn't get too far. He ordered her to sit down, and uh, then he uh, pretty much tried to force her to watch him have anal intercourse with his unconscious niece. What? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah. I never got I didn't get the detail. It just said that it was a an unsuccessful encounter. So I didn't get the yeah. details of what was unsuccessful about it. Like I said, I get into the meat of it. <laughs> but uh, I didn't get those links. <laughs> but she ended up waking up in the middle of it and she's fighting him and everything. She actually was pretty successful. She hit him in the head with a lamp. And they got away for a few moments, but he caught up to him running down the dirt path in the woods and ordered them into the trunk of his car. He's like Jason or Michael. Really he is. But he caught up to him uh, and he mm-hmm. took him back to his house. He, this is where he, uh, made, we're talking, uh, we need to get a little bit more somber probably. <laughs> but um, we was having a good talk before we cut there. <laughs> oh, shoot. But he ordered Patricia to remove all her clothes. Uh, Janice tried to escape, um, but was stopped by him. Um, he hit her, knocked, knocked her unconscious. Uh, Patricia tried to hit him with a two-by-six, and that was unsuccessful. Uh, he he pistol-whipped her, basically. Swing and a miss. Yeah. And then he handcuffed the two naked girls that were both knocked unconscious, had sex with both the girls, put them both in the trunk of his car after he severely beat the girls. And then he pushed Patricia's body into a septic tank, and he dug a grave behind an old barn of a former tenant for Janice. And all this happened on November 10th, 1970. Wow. So he, uh, you know what I thought of when I read that part? I thought, why did he just not dump them both in the septic tank? Why did he go to the trouble of digging? (laughs) Well, Janice was his family, and uh, Patty wasn't. Wow, that's fucked up. Yeah. So Patty just threw away like trash, and Janice, he gave a proper burial, too, I guess. It goes back to the, he had bad ones, and he had the fun ones, you know. Yeah, I think that there's probably a lot more with his family than we're thinking. And I think that might be why we're getting so many weird stories or inconsistencies is that because, I mean, y'all know, y'all, you've told me how things are in, um, that county that you grew up and you know how family is oh yeah even if somebody's bad you still you don't you know oh yeah i mean uh where i grew up is one of those situations where when tommy runs in i just killed billy you're like well damn it let's go get him and bury him (laughs) (laughs) i'm planning on burying nobody today uncle bob get your hogs come on (laughs) I'm a fucking Timmy bar on my goddamn shovel. <laughs> we gotta go get that first. You think we can get Daryl over here with his backhoe and make this quicker? That's how it is, though. Unfortunately. But I mean, I I had a friend that she was from that area in Lower Georgia and Upper Florida, and she they were they were like that. She said it's you know. She, she said they're very clan like there. So, on December 31st, 1970, uh, parole was completed for Pee Wee, which meant he could uh, be returned to Florence County. He remarried again for the fifth time on New Year's Eve. Now, this woman Hmm. was three months pregnant. 
Um, I guess he had already knocked her up by the time he married her. Um, wife number five gave birth to his son, Donald Lee Gaskins. So he got a junior. <laughs> That's extremely close to Donald Lee Harvey, too. Yeah. And uh, he, he worked at a used car lot, rebuilding cars for sale. He went back to his old ways, stripping and repainting stolen cars. And, but the pain in his head and the strange voice come back every so often. He go down the coastal highway. And by 1971, it's claimed that he killed at least 11 more women in the same manner they killed others. Angie and Maria were Pee-wee's next victims that he took from the coastal highways, hitchhiking from the Wilmington, North Carolina, and so forth. But anyway, somewhere down the road, Pee-wee met a black woman who was uh, 20 named Martha Ann Dix, but everybody knew her as Clyde. Now, this is another confirmed kill. Uh, Clyde, from what I've read, was a lesbian transvestite as well as drug addicted and had excessive had an excessive criminal record. On March 29th, 1972, Clyde went a little bit too far with Pee Wee by joking that she that he had knocked her up and uh, was going to name the baby Pee Wee Dix. <laughs> <laughs> And that's when, and that's when Clyde knew she had <laughs> And that's when that little man went all red again. He went pop pop crazy on her. He didn't like the joke at all. And uh, it was a <laughs> wonder why. <laughs> and uh, he didn't like it though because it's about a baby and uh, disapproval for interracial relationships. Now this is. This is where we were going back earlier about his potential racism. He had sex with her. Like, he did. Like, he was actively having sex with her. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. But, I mean, this is the pronoun her. Oh. Because he was a transvestite, right? Yeah, so he had sex with him. Right. So, so I'm thinking, y'all, I'm thinking that Pee Wee had some very screwed up sexual taste and that that might have been a large part of what drove him to murder people yeah so back to his mom selling him out to do whatever with whoever well his the majority of his sexual experience were with males yeah that's very true well Uh, if that's what he needed and that's what was familiar and comfortable he was if you went by percentage he definitely had more male relationships than female and his remember all this stuff started when what's his name committed suicide yeah so after his lover we assume which we don't know that to be true probably in 80 percent at this point <laughs> um after suicide, he started killing so the pain I bet Pee Wee had never felt any kind of like real emotion before. Mm-hmm. Anger. And then when he got upset, I bet it turned into that pain that made him want to kill people. It so, might have been that he started having those urges. And, you know, he might have been a self loathing person. You know, because it started in his testicles. I think we figured this fucker out. <laughs> <laughs> It only took four crazy people two hours to do it, but. <laughs> but he, uh, he, 
he disapproved of it though, you know, interracial, but and the joke was about a baby. Um Pee Wee informed her to meet him after six and he had some pills and a five dollars for some oral sex. She agreed to meet him at a tenant's house and once once at the house, Pee Wee gave her the pills. He handcuffed her, punched her in the jaw, and when she tried to get away, he forced her he forced her to finish the bottle of pills. So that's what killed her. He forced her to OD. commit suicide with pills, basically. He must and, have been a wiry little dude. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because yeah, I don't understand why more of these women didn't get away from him. I don't either. Like, he he must have been strong as a fucking ox or something. I don't know. Like, he did work. He, he worked hard when he worked, I guess. You know, stripping cars is not easy. It's hard. It is. It's some hard. I think little dudes, little dudes learn to compensate and become stronger than what people think they do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pictures on it. I mean, he looks. He looks like a wiry little lean person in the the photos that I saw of him. Like someone who probably um, worked on a farm all day. Yeah. And he's probably full of rage, so that just made it amplify. Uh, you know, the adrenaline and stuff. Yeah. Well, he had a lot. He had a lot to be angry about. Oh yeah, for sure. Not defending him, but yeah, he had a, I mean, shitty life. Yeah. Um, here's one that I don't think was confirmed. The next one was in July of 1972. Is uh, Ann Colberson from Atlanta, whom he apparently tortured for 96 hours, and on the fourth day, he smashed her head in from behind with a ball pin hammer, dug her grave behind the place where it was where his niece Janice had been before and um and he buried her there apparently and then there was another one on October 1973 they may killed uh Jackie Freeman after raping raping and eating a portion of her calf and then there was another confirmed one uh Gaskins had befriended uh Doreen Dempsey She'd been living with Gaskin's friend Johnny Sellers and his brother Carl Sellers in North Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, they brought her to Gaskin's home in Prospect and left her there to speak with Gaskin's about staying with him for a short while while she was pregnant. Apparently became pretty upset that she was having a second child because she already had one child by African-American man and apparently she was having another one. Upset that Doreen was having that second biracial child, Gaskins responded by walking her to his backyard pond where he drowned both the mother and the toddler after raping and sodomizing them both. That's a pretty horrible one. He's a sick fuck. Yeah. July 1970. These, these are rapid fire because there's a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. um, in July 1974, when he was 41 by this time, he raped and castrated and murdered two young unnamed boys and then he killed somebody named horse drums just for a little flavor <laughs> i don't know anything about horse drums i, I don't know if he got more of a rise out of the killing or the torture mm-hmm. i think it was the torture part for peewee honestly like like uh with his niece it was more sporadic like he was just trying to rape her basically which is his part of his forte but it's more of a sporadic kill yeah, but the ones that he was actually out to actually murder, he took time with them. And Do you think that the murder of, well, the, that the torture was more of him taking that rage that he had built up over his mother and directing it on these women? 
I kind of thought the same thing about that as well. Uh, I thought the same thing, but I never found anything mm-hmm. she said that had anything to do with his mother. But you know it had to. Like, it had to. Yeah, I didn't see where it had to do anything with his mom. I mean, but I really thought it did. But it, there was one sentence, and I can't remember in in what article or documentary it was, but it said that he really focused on becoming good at torturing them as long as he could. Yeah, keeping them alive. To prolong. Yeah. So I think that, that that was his ultimate goal with some of them was just, to me, it meant getting out his frustrations on someone else. What did you think about his foray into cannibalism? Did you, where did you think that came from? Well, but I couldn't find, like, there was mention of it sometimes, but I really couldn't find, I mean, I guess this is gross of me, but I tried to find more detailed accounts of it. Um, because it said that it would, you know, in some parts it just said he would he would perform cannibalism or he would sometimes make them participate in the cannibalism. But I really couldn't find any actual accounts of that. I looked, couldn't find it. The the um, one I found was that he um, ate the calf off of. Yeah. Yeah. And and I get that, but okay, we've had that. I mean, not to be. I guess I'm jaded on that. Okay, so we've seen that, but but to actually make someone take part in, I mean, Self. in their own cannibalism. So that was mentioned in one of the articles that I read, but I really couldn't find any actual documentation of it. I couldn't either. I, I think maybe part of it on all all of the torture and the cannibalism stuff is he wanted to feel like he was in control. And I think maybe he was compensating for his younger life when he didn't have control over a lot of bad things that happened to him. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be able to have that superior control of another human being. Yeah, probably. And he wanted I, to be the big boss. Yeah. Yes. And that seems to be a running thing with him. He's so tired of being the little man, being mistreated, that that's when he kind of converted, is when he's like, I ain't taking this no more. And that's when he killed this first person um, that we know of. Um, these are actually confirmed kills. Uh, he actually, Johnny Sellers was a friend of him, and he shot him in the back of the head and stabbed his girl, girlfriend to death. Um after Sellers asked for money, he was owed from a uh, sale of a stolen boat. Gaskins was basically afraid that Sellers was going to rat on him for the auto ring and everything. So he killed him and he killed Judy because, you know, she saw and he didn't want her telling anybody about it either. So that's a confirmed one. In uh, 1975, when he was 42, speculated, forced two college girls and a 20-year-old man to engage in group sex. After he found them broken down on the highways, and then killed them after he castrated the male. This is probably a sign. If he really did all this, the castrating of the male was probably him trying to repress his homophobic tendencies. Want to be? I'm going to be graphic, so y'all just deal with it. Um, that's probably the sign of him being tired of taking it up the butt. <laughs> yeah. I'll cut that thing off. That's how women are, you know. Well, I mean, that's what I was thinking too. Is well, I'm going to show them. Yeah. He was the Lorraine Bobbitt of uh, serial killers. 
<laughs> anyway, after this, he befriended a guy named Walter Neely, and uh, Walter moved in with Pee Wee. And this is another confirmed one on uh, February 13th, 1975. Gaskins and three friends kidnapped a man by the name of Silas Barnwell Yates, age 45. He either had his throat slit. Or his life force was drained from his body from the immaculate karate chop that Pee Wee delivered to him. Now, I found that interesting that 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 the article that I read was that too. And I'm like, okay, that's quite a jump. Really? (laughs) He either cut his throat or he moved his hand in a slicing fashion so fast with a karate chop. It's it's right wide open. (laughs) He's been watching Elvis. An an immaculate, immaculate karate. karate. He he had been watching Elvis when Elvis went through his martial arts phase. That's exactly what it is. This wasn't. That was that time frame. It was 75. (laughs) So uh, the forensics said it was a knife, but Gaskin's like, fuck no, it wasn't. Let's cry chop. <laughs> I can do karate chops, judy chops, ninja chops. And that's what it reminded me of was that guy that was on Jerry Springer. And this is your judy chop. <laughs> but apparently. You don't need to be judy and nobody don't need judy. <laughs> but apparently this was a death by karate chop. So this is one of the different ways that he killed people. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah, he killed him with a karate chop. Why not? <laughs> Mark it down. Mark it down. That's a that's a new one for me. I've karate chopped somebody before. I guess I didn't have enough force. <laughs> Your karate chop was not immaculate. You know. But uh Yates was apparently in a dispute with his ex girlfriend, Suzanne Kipper Owens, and she and her husband John had paid Gaskins fifteen hundred dollars to kill Yates. Now this is crazy. Uh not long after that, um, Pee-wee started a sexual relationship with Susan. (laughs) So, um, John and Susan paid him to kill her lover, and then he just started having sex with Susan. So, maybe not true, though. That's that's apparently what they suspect. So, this led to another confirmed. (laughs) On August, on April 10th, 1975, Gaskin stabbed to death Diane and shot to death her boyfriend, Avery Leroy Howard. And among other things, Gaskins murdered Diane uh, Bellamy because she had threatened to report to the police that Gaskins was allowing underage teenagers to have sex in his home. And Avery Howard was uh, murdered because he asked for money to pay attorneys and cover legal fees following his arrest for fraud and auto theft. Gaskins worried that Avery would tell the police about the Gaskins' criminal activities why he killed him. So, he killed both of those, too. <laughs> That's what happened there. And then we move on to another confirmed. In 1975, he killed uh, Kim Gelkins, age 13. Was stabbed to death to keep her from telling the police Gaskins had moved from North Charleston without permission. And uh, to keep the, keep her from telling the police that she was sexu- sexually abused by several adult men, including Gaskins. And this is when he moved back to Charleston. And right before, and this right here is what got him in. This is what got him. Dennis Bellamy, age 27, and John Henry Knight, age 15, they were brothers. And Diane Bellamy was their their sister. Within minutes of each other, Gaskin shot 
two brothers in the back of the head in October 10th, 1975. Pee Wee Gaskins had promised to pay Dennis for some stolen guns, and when confronted by Bellamy at Gaskins' trailer in, in his home in Prospect, South Carolina, he responded by offering to return the guns from the woods behind his home. He took Bellamy into the woods to retrieve the guns, but, you know, shot him in the back of the head instead. And then John Henry was directed to the same area and allegedly, allegedly to me, his brother, but was also murdered to ensure that he never spoke of the crimes. So, in this one, he walks the big brother out to the woods. Little brother hears, pow! Then Pee Wee comes back in there, hey man, uh, your brother's wanting to meet you out here in the woods. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> okay. Nothing fishy about this. <laughs> right, let me walk out there with you. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Even at 15 years old, I'd be like, uh, I think, I think I'll sit here, Pee Wee. <laughs> you know, like I don't really want to walk out to the woods. Leave. I gotta go. <laughs> but on November 14th, 1975, Pee Wee was arrested after his good old buddy Walter Neely confessed to the police that he knew for a fact. Gaskins had killed Dennis and Johnny, and then Neely being the good buddy he was, uh, he also told the cops that Gaskins had told him about several other people they murdered who have been listed as missing persons during the previous five years. He also let him know that Pee Wee told him where they were at. So on December 4th, 1975, Neely took the cops to the land where Pee Wee lived and found eight bodies. Do you think that Neely ratted on him because he was fucking terrified he was next? Probably. That's a, <laughs> a good possibility. I would. That's an affirmative. <laughs> See, that's the other thing that gets me about him in comparison to people like Bundy or, or Gacy or any of those is so many people he had ties to that he killed. Yeah, it's weird. Like, but, they all... <laughs> A lot of them were pretty close to him. Like, it wouldn't have been hard to suss out the suspects, you know. Talk about, I mean, what what was going on with the law dogs in South Carolina? They weren't putting the pieces together with this? That'd be like if uh, one week you see me, Tully, and Reed on, then the next week is just me and Reed, and the next week is just me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Tully and Reed have went missing. (laughs) <laughs> Nobody knows what happened to him. <laughs> is that wrong? So, is, a bit antsy right now. Is, is Tully really on the beach? <laughs> he is actually at the beach for a long time. <laughs> Not really on the beach, maybe under the beach. I don't. There's a lot of sand where he's at. <laughs> But the coroner confirmed everything. Uh, the child began for the murders uh, on May 28, 1976, at 43 years old. He's found guilty of murder in the first degree and sentenced to death by lecture. And um, on April, in April 1977, the trial for Silas Yates was moved to Newberry, South Carolina. And this is when Susan Kemper, John Owens, John Powell, and Pee Wee were all sentenced to life prison. However, Owens and Powell were out in five years. So Pee Wee took to the stand on April 25th, 1977, and he confessed to every murder he was accused of, along with two others. 
In exchange for life sentence rather than death penalty, Gaskins pled guilty to the murders of John Henry Knight, Dennis Bellamy, Diane Bellamy, Neely, Avery Howard, Jesse Ruth, John Sellers, and Doreen Dempsey. Uh, contrary to Wiki, uh, Wikipedia states that the death penalty was actually commuted instead. So I don't know if he actually confessed to get life sentence or if they commuted his death sentence. See, that's that's the thing about this whole story. Even things that should be on record are fucking contradictory. <laughs> you know, like, well, uh, that's what I'm saying is it's <laughs> it's very weird to me that everybody that's died that has a connection to him that the police in that town didn't see it. Yeah. I mean, well, what, it, the type of people he was killing that, I mean, there was his fun killings that were people that he like coastal people he picked up, which really wouldn't be missed anyway. But then there were the people that he killed that were shady fam- people anyway. I'm talking about like the family members and the people he was associated with. I mean, yeah, but they were kind of shady anyway. And you know, series killing back then wasn't really that prevalent you know i mean there was a lot of them back then but that was when it was still kind of fresh too like they were still trying to study it so now of course like if i my brother i'd be one of the first suspects but back then it might not have been the situation i don't know you know like al gore hadn't you know invented the internet yet so nothing was connected But you can't keep a good serial killer down. Pee-wee always had one more in the tank. This is my favorite one. And I'll let you tell it. So he had a... Uh, and here's here's another thing, too. So this guy's life in prison, commuted death row, we think. But so Pee-wee gets a job as a handyman in the prison. He has access to quite a few different types of tools and things. And he has a... Not a cellmate, but a... Another mate on death row, uh, his cell was back-to-back to Pee-wee's. His name was uh, Rudolph Tyner. He was on death row because he had uh, robbed a convenience store, left the store, but then turned around and came back in and killed the man and wife that ran the store. Well... The adopted son of this man and woman that were killed um, basically hired Pee-wee to assassinate this Rudolph Tyner guy. You know, Pee-wee gets access to phone, you know, stuff, blah, blah, blah. He's able to call, I guess, his hoodlum friends and acquires uh, apparently what was C4 plastique Mm -hmm. and a blasting cap that you'd use for dynamite um he makes this this is so creative it blows my mind so he this wants, little genius of yeah, <laughs> he tells tyner that he wants to basically set up a communication system between their cells and pans it off as the good old tin cans between the strings method so he's puts the cap down in the uh bottom of this cup stuffs it with c4 runs an electrical wire to it tells him okay i'm going to hand it through the vent that goes between the bottom from one cell to the other slides it into him and tells him okay 
See if you can hear me through it. Put it up to your ear. He puts that cup up to his ear. Pee Wee plugs that sucker in and it blows him all to <laughs> hell. And he said the last thing he heard was me laughing. <laughs> that, to me, that was the pinnacle of all his killings, was that was so creative. Yeah, my God dang, Pee Wee. So after getting his life sentence, his death sentence commuted to a life sentence for this murder, he got a death sentence. <laughs> so convicted twice to death sentence. Um, he was uh, while in prison waiting to be sent to hell on a fast pass. Gaskins claimed this is when he claimed that he's killed anywhere between 100 to 110, including the including Margaret Peg Catino, a 13-year-old daughter of a South Carolina senator. James Catino Jr. There's no evidence to support that, though. Uh, he was ultimately tried and convicted of 14 confirmed murders. Gaskins did eventually lead the police to the bodies of Janice Kirby, Patricia Ann Osbrook, Martha Ann Dix, and Kim Gakins. And on, no, on September 5th, 1991... Pee-wee attempted to kill himself by slitting his wrist. Well, the state, of course, was not having any of this bullshit, so they saved him, <laughs> patched him up, and a few hours later, at 1.10 a.m. on September 6, 1991, Gaskins was executed in the electric chair with only one family member in attendance, and that was his 20-year-old son. His final words were, I'll let the lawyers do it, talk for me. I'm ready to go. Pee-wee died at the age of 58. So wow. it's the story of Pugwee Gaskins, <laughs> once known as the meanest man in America. So what do you guys take away from all this? I think it's interesting that he had a thing for prepubescent girls. Because yeah. what do prepubescent girls look like? Boys. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a great point. And when, did he, when, when did he have his sexual awakening when he was around that age? Yeah. And you know... When I was researching him, the whole homosexual thing did not really click with me for some reason. It, it really? was it was adly op, uh, it was absent. That's why I think it's weird that um all this abuse is out there, but there's never any question. But I mean, he obviously had some hangups. After you guys said it and going through all this, I'm thinking that it was some kind of repressed rage for his lover, Paul's Don. And that's what led him to killing everybody. Well, I'm telling y'all, that's a really weird relationship right there. Because mm -hmm. kind of like a Stockholm, was it Stockholm syndrome? That's probably what it was, honestly. Like that's more than likely what it was. That I mean, it's something like that, right? This, this is his raising and experiences, and the way he did. It, this, it's just so complex to me. Yeah. Well, See, I think it goes it goes back to his mom too. Yeah. And it, you know, if his mom was selling him to her boyfriends, then that sort of Stockholm syndrome started right then. That's what you do to keep your mom's love and but you hate it as well. And so you hate the people that you're doing it with, which is which are the males, and then you hate the, the female that's making you do it, so that you hate the females. And it's just a vicious cycle. I mean, I just, I just think he had it both ways. And well, so he just hated everything. In regards to his um, 
And I'm still ju- trying to juvenile, figure out half pint. His juvenile lover. I mean, you look at this is someone who hurt him when he acted bad, who took care of him and protected him and took him under his wing when he was, you know, in juvenile. I mean, that's that's really a messed up relationship. And yeah. then, you know, you, you get out from that situation and become best friends. Yeah. It's just really weird. He had no what we consider normalcy or consistency to his relationships. That's that's insane. He's just a crazy dude. <laughs> and I don't know. Like I have no words for him, but like uh, Well, I, I go back to he's like a rabid dog. You know? His youth created a monster. Basically. Yes. Yeah. He never had a chance. He's he's just one of those people that the back then there wasn't even a system to help, you know. That's just one of those things. That's back in the time of like if you're a fucked up kid, you're gonna be a fucked up individual your whole life usually. Because it's just gonna keep going. You hate the circumstances, hate the that the what happened to him, but you have to hate his actions at the same time. Yep. yep. And with that, we'll leave you. <laughs> <laughs> On that somber note. <laughs> There's no hope. Thank I, thanks. <laughs> thanks for letting me shut that down that way. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Hadley, tell them where they can find all your stuff. Um, you can find me on Linktree. That's going to be L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash Weird Realities. And from there, you can find all my Hadley Thorne stuff. Um, I am on Facebook at Weird Realities. And I've got a Hadley Thorne fan page for people who are interested in my writing. All right. And you can find us at BitChute, Twitter, YouTube for the time being. This will probably be the... Last one before they kick us off there. Um, let's see. And you can find us on anchor.fm. Everything's at Wearing the Folk. And thank you for watching us because we're watching you. <laughs>